I can tell you that sex is very good for your health, especially your heart health, but having orgasms is also good for your emotional and mental health because it releases lots of oxytocin and endorphins. And it also brings you closer together as a couple because when you're releasing all that oxytocin and endorphins, those cuddly feel-good hormones make you feel connected and bonded to your partner. Hey, you're listening to the Blessed Couple Podcast, where we talk about how to do this marriage thing and experience God in the process. I hope you enjoy and subscribe. Let's get started. We like to open these sessions off with a prayer to make sure that we align not only with each other, but with God and talk about things correctly. So we'll check in. So please join us in prayer. Heavenly parents, we gather here now to focus on your word and your joy in our marriages, that we can be your light and reflect your happiness to the world, that we can be true to each other and connect deeply with you as well to become one family under God. Heavenly Parent, we're so grateful for the couples that you've assembled here today. We're so grateful for their willingness to participate in this project for their willingness to impact other marriages and other families. We thank you and we ask for your hand of blessing on their couple. We ask that you can anoint their couple and just fill them with love and romance and passion. We pray that they can feel your presence, that they can experience your love and your joy today in these sessions together, and that as they move forward throughout their week and their month and their year and their lifetime, We know this is a very precious topic close to your heart, Heavenly Parent, and we really want to share the blessings that you have given us in our relationship and hope that they can offer some support to the blessed couples in the community that we hold so dear. We thank you so much, and we offer these things in our name, Christoph and Miniasake, Blessed Angel Family. I guess then, to get started, we want to talk a little bit about why we're doing this, why this is important, and why you all are here. We first want to talk about why the idea behind having these seminars or having education about sex specifically in marriage is important. So just a little bit of background about me. When I got blessed, there was nothing like this, right? This is in the wild, wooly days of early 2000s. We got blessed in 2002, so that's a long time ago. There was no marriage education. It was you reached the finish line. You've been blessed. You succeeded. Your story is now happily ever after has begun. Good luck and go with God. Yeah, good luck and go with God. You're no longer our problem. So that was a that was a little bit tricky because as you all know, getting blessed just means a new and exciting round of adventures are starting with all kinds of new and exciting problems to face. And also, nothing about our pre-marriage existence, our pre-blessing existence, trains us to be good at being married and have sex. So it was a little bit of a sticky widget there. At that time. Yeah, at the, at the time. Since then, Blessed Family Ministries has made incredible strides in providing support services, counseling, pre-marriage education, but that wasn't really available yet when we were blessed. And so, as so you were saying, it was, it was definitely tricky. I don't know if I got lucky, but I am a very competitive person. I like being good at what I do, and I like the idea of being good at being married. So... Unlike other men my age, I guess, when I first got married and blessed, I took the time to investigate it, to research it, and try to get better at it. We took a marriage course that was free. It was offered by the city, and I was the only guy. 
And every other couple were there because they were required to be there by the courts. And we're the only volunteers who are becoming better at being married because we like being married and being good at being married. It was a very confusing like mentality the world has around marriage education, right? We can always learn and get better at things. And I like being good at being married, so why wouldn't I want to learn about this kind of stuff? Right, and an important part of having a blessed life and a blessed family is having a blessed sexual relationship. Absolutely. And especially in communities of faith, we find that there's a lot of stigma and taboo and shame that surround the topic of sex and sexuality, even within the holy confines of marriage. In fact, most married couples on average have sex about twice a week and Christian couples or couples who identify as couples of faith have sex around once a week. So that's half the sex they're having. And we thought, no, we got to fix that because we should be having the best, most exciting, most passionate, most wonderful sex because our relationships are centered on God. Absolutely. And the other thing to mention about that is it's not just centered on God. We do have a religious mandate to be good at sex. It's in Reverend Moon's words, right? So we're going to start us off by sharing some words of wisdom about how important it is to have sex in relationships. Right. And we collected some scripture, not only from Reverend Samyang Moon, but also from some other sacred texts, because it's actually important to many things yes. around so the world. So we wanted to show that it's not just our thing. It is a religious thing in general. It is a important element, shall we say. Right. So whether you're a Christian or Hindu or Taoist or unificationist, there are many faiths that really put a sacred place on the sexual relationship between a husband and wife. And one of the reasons we like to start our presentation with sacred text is because we take this very seriously. Even though sometimes we tell stories about our family and sometimes there might be a little levity or even humor, this is something that's really sacred to us and really important to us and we give it that important space. So we start out centered yes, on God. Absolutely. So let's have some hundake from the world first. Eros guides us to Logos. That was Plato. Sex is not the answer. Sex is the question. Yes is the answer. Sex is always about emotions. Good sex is about free emotions. Bad sex is about blocked emotions. Deepak Chopra. Let's take a look at Taoism and see what they say about sex. As a tree cannot exist without both sun and water, Humans cannot exist without sexual energy. If you cannot directly face your sexuality, you will never discover your true spirituality. Your earthly spirit leads to discovering your heavenly spirit. Look at what created you to discover what will immortalize you. The valley spirit never dies. It is called the mystical female. The entrance to the mystical female is called the root of heaven and earth. Though gossamer, as if barely existing, it is used but never spent. It's from the Tao Te Ching. From Hinduism, woman, O Gautama, is the fire. Her sexual organ is the fuel. What invites is the smoke. The vulva is the flame. What is done inside is the embers, the pleasures are the sparks. The divine yoni 
which I don't know if you know what that word is, but it is the word for the female sexual organ, aka the vulva and the vagina. Yes. Is brilliant as tens of millions of suns, as cool as tens of millions of moons. Above the yoni is a small and subtle flame whose form is intelligence. From the Bible, how beautiful you are and how pleasing, my love, with your delights. Your stature is like that of a palm and your breasts are like clusters of fruit. I said, I will climb the palm tree. I will take hold of its fruit. May your breasts be like clusters of grapes on the vine. The fragrance of your breath like apples and your mouth like the best wine. From the Song of Solomon. Yes. Hey, if you're getting something good from this episode, it would mean the world to us if you could share it with someone you love or leave a five-star review because the only way this podcast spreads around is through word of mouth. So a share or a review would go a long way and it only takes like 10 seconds to do. Thanks. Back to the show. Here's some more. He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. May your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breasts satisfy you always and may you ever be intoxicated with her love. Proverbs 5.18 Samuel Mune says, we must make the best use of the precious gift from God. It means for us to transform our conjugal sexual life into a work of art. We have to make our spouse feel joy. So I would say that these words of Reverend Moon are, as Christoph said, a religious mandate. It extols us not only to enjoy lovemaking and to participate in lovemaking, but really to elevate it and exalt it to a form of art. So that isn't something that you do as an afterthought. That's something that you do with a lot of conscious effort and care. If you look with God's eyes of true love, there will be nothing dirty. God created every part of the human body. Who else created them? Is there anything you feel shameful about? Why? It is natural. If you feel ashamed, it is a habit of the fallen world. And unfortunately, there are feelings of shame that many couples experience around their sexual relationship. Talking about sex and especially a presentation like this where we really go into the details of how to improve your sexual relationship can be even confronting for some people who have those unresolved feelings. But Heavenly Parent created your body, every part of it, and arguably put the most thought and love and attention into our sexual organs. Complex and beautiful and designed to make us feel pleasure centered on his love for us in our marriage and our relationship. So if we have those feelings of shame, if we have those feelings of discomfort or awkwardness, we can let them go because they have no place in a blessed marriage. Absolutely. One more quote. Have you ever kissed each other's sexual organs? How do you like the taste? There is the most exquisite and infinitely endless taste. It is the taste we can never forget, even after a thousand years. I love this quote. I love this scripture because 
I feel like one of the things that we come up against a lot in our discussions is taboos around oral sex, that it's something that heavenly couples shouldn't or don't engage in. But Reverend Moon encourages us to remember that taste because we can't forget it because it's the best and the most wonderful. So if you haven't kissed each other's sexual organs, today would be a good day to start. You are the lords of creation. So you have to become kings who can teach all kinds of lovemaking. You must learn how to make love through observing nature. You should even research how thunder and lightning make love. And one of the quotes that was a direct experience is we should have sex like every animal in creation, including the gnats, which make love in the air. And I was just thinking to myself, what are the practical realities of making that happen? Like, what does that really mean? But I was thinking, wouldn't it be interesting if the Unification Church became known as like, oh, you know, they're unificationists. You, you know what that means, right? They have like the best sex. Animals of different kinds have various styles of lovemaking. Thus, for a week, you could try to make love in the style of tigers, feeling passion greater than a tiger's. And when tigers make love, there's a lot of biting going on, just so you know. Yes, yes, indeed. I just want to reiterate that this is not just something that we're talking about that you should be doing or we think you should be doing. As we see from all these words, not only from around the world in religious texts, but also from our own beliefs, we need to do this stuff. This is literal direction from how we should be in our marriage, right? And we know when we look outside in the fallen world that sex is so important and so distorted and that we're constantly selling young people and people of all ages this image of exciting, passionate sex and how great it is. And the true or heavenly version of sex is even better and more exciting and more passionate and more wonderful. But we need to embody that before we can represent it to combat that fallen or twisted image of sex, sexuality and passion. So we've talked now about this kind of religious foundation of why we need to do these things. But are there any other reasons why we should have sex? Right. Because as a certified personal trainer, I can tell you that sex is very good for your health, especially your heart health. But having orgasms is also good for your emotional and mental health because it releases lots of oxytocin and endorphins. And it also brings you closer together as a couple because when you're releasing all that oxytocin and endorphins, those cuddly, feel-good hormones make you feel connected and bonded to your partner. So it's good for the health of your marriage. It's good for your physical health. It's good for your emotional and mental health. What can we say? It's even been shown in studies to improve when you have a headache. So if you're not feeling well, maybe the doctor you need is the doctor of love. Also, one important thing is if you have kids, then by having a healthy sexual relationship that will show your children by the acts that you're doing what a good marriage is, right? When we want to exemplify heavenly marriage to our children, and the best way of doing that is to talk, not just talk the talk, but also walk the walk, right? And you don't have to be indiscreet or really expressive in your love making so that your children can overhear you. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about when you have a good, passionate, loving relationship, your kids know. They can tell. They see it in a thousand little things. Just like 
when you're newlyweds, people come to you, oh, are you newlyweds? Without doing anything, they can sense it, they can see it, they can feel it in everything you do. The same is true when you have a dysfunctional or a non-existent sexual relationship, then it also resonates. It also sends those ripples out. And so now we have three teenagers and, you know, sometimes when we're kissing or hugging or pinching each other or something, there are many Greek philosophers that are known for their wonderful wisdom, but I believe it was Aristotle who believed that, it was Plato, who believed that all of the female maladies, any illness that a woman had was because of her uterus. And the cure to all such illnesses was orgasm. And in the Victorian era, they called orgasms paroxysms. So if you were experiencing anything from depression to physical maladies, anything at all, it was labeled as hysteria. And so to remedy this, you would need to have a paroxysm or an orgasm. And they believed that it cured all your ills. So even Victorian doctors knew that sex was good for your health. And that was one of the most buttoned up errors of them all. In fact, when I'm having a bad day or when I'm feeling tired or sad or just struggling in general, often Christoph will say to me, you look a little hysterical. Yes, I'm always in the constant pursuit of taking care of hysteria. Hey, if you want to improve your relationship or take your sex life to the next level, well, you're in luck because more than 70% of couples that take our love and integrity course said that the quality of their sexual relationship improved after joining the course. Sounds good? You can join the program today with your spouse or just take the course by yourself at loveandintegrity.com. See you in the next episode.